0: We wanted to break down the barrier of um, just students not being able to get jobs that fills their needs, but also, even when they do get some sort of professional job, how do you get it?
1: Thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? No
0: problem. It's my pleasure.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're calling from your home in Etobicoke, yes. guy, Toronto-based guy, right? Yes. Um, you're also a student from uh, Ryerson University? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, so you're, uh, f- um, and you're a founder? I, I actually... Of- <laughs> okay, do you want to restart? <laughs> no, no,
0: go ahead. <laughs> okay, all right. So um, I, I studied entrepreneurship at Ryerson. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently in my fifth year, um, just taking an extra year, a nice light year to end off on a, on a really happy note. Um, and... Uh, so uh, during my time in the entrepreneurship program I made a lot of friends uh-huh. everybody in the business program is very uh, talkative very um, they're social butterflies all of them so yeah. um, you get to know a lot of people and one person I got to know um, was my friend Alex Reiser so uh, he had an idea uh, he um, he had the idea of well all our students, they, sorry, all our, all our colleagues, they have this major problem, and they always say that they hate their job that they're working on. And um, I know, I know this because I hear all these people saying that too. All my, all my friends, they would say, "Oh, I hate my job. I don't want to go. I have to work on the weekends, or I don't have enough time for this assignment." So, um, and that's very apparent. Uh, so. Uh, Also, I worked in those jobs as well. I worked as a paper boy. That was my first ever job. And um, so each week I would have to do uh, just give out the paper. And after weeks of of long, hard work, I would look at my hands and they would all be gray from all the, the ink from the newspapers. And I would look at my paycheck it would be something like sixty dollars for one month of work, and I was like, yeah. "What? What is this? Like, there has to be a better way to make money." And mm-hmm. and um and so yeah, I, I worked at my part time jobs, just kind of student jobs when I was in high school and stuff. And and I was thinking to myself, like, "There, there has to be a better way." And uh, so now, just going back to uh, my friend Alex, he also found that. And so um, we came up with the idea. Well, um can we make students work for customers on demand um, with uh, them being able to create their own schedule, um, learn, uh, sorry, earn uh, pretty good pay. And also they don't really have to deal with any sort of micromanaging bosses. So, so we thought, cause those were the three main problems that students or just our friends had with all their jobs. Um, so what we did is um, we took the approach of doing just simple lawn care stuff so what alex and i started is we started this company called local student Um, and what we would do is we would call customers and say hey do you need do you need a student to mow your lawn we need money Um, we have to pay for tuition and all that and they said sure come on by and mow our lawn and uh so what alex and i would do we would just go over mow mow their lawns and then um we just get some cash later Mm -hmm. um so that. It's, it's a very primitive type of job, it, but but it worked. Um, it allowed us to essentially um, choose when we want to work. We didn't have any bosses or anything like that. So, so what we did is we tried to build that up a little more and uh, we started hiring more students. So what would happen is uh, Alex and I would go out door to door, uh, also post some Kijiji ads for lawn mowing. And then the students working for us, they would be able to choose which jobs are in their area. And then they would be able to go and say, hey, I want this job. It's only five minutes away from me. I'll go mow their lawn. And then um, so they would go ahead and do that. And then we would be able to transfer money uh, to them uh, once we get paid by the customer. So that's the premise of of the business. Um, So how how it works is um, it's kind of like the Uber model. Uh-huh. So a student would be able to look through a marketplace of jobs um, and then decide which ones they want to take. If they don't want one, they don't have to select it, they don't have to take it. So what it allows the student to do is build their schedule based on when they have time to do work because students, they have assignments, they have exams, uh-huh. they also have like parties and events they want to go to. Like You don't, you don't want to miss that stuff as a kid. You only, uh-huh. you only have one life, right? So um, you don't want to miss that. Um, so... That is essentially how the business works, um, and then these students they come on as private contractors, and uh, they can uh, they can just determine exactly when they want to work and where. So,
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, I hundred percent remember that. Like entry level jobs suck, right? I mean, yeah, not, they do. yeah. I mean, not even for what you do or in the pay, but how inflexible a lot of the environments are. Like so you got to work these amount of hours, these amount of days. And uh, you can't really, like some places they want to let you switch shifts. Or if you do, you have to get manager approval or you're going to find someone to do it for you. And it's all backward systems, right? And um, and like the main thing is uh, people, are, the, the work is not centered around you, right? I mean, you're giving time away from, you know, what exactly like you said, more valuable things like being able to do more in school, do more extracurriculars, you know, even go to a party where you might meet somebody,
0: right? Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the student experience is so valuable, the time spent out of it. I think it's like is is a cost, a sunken cost. So being able to freely, you know, capitalize based off of uh, opportunities available to you uh, is everything. Right. And being entrepreneurial as a student, I think is a a key indicator in life, like your trajectory. Mm All right. So kudos on you guys for definitely going down that path. But the main thing is, I mean, basically you're trying to gigify like you're you're gigifying like small jobs, odd jobs here and there for students. So I think I guess the question is how are you going up against like the bigger the bigger uh, firms out there like um, TaskRabbit you know that already exists like why would an employer post a job with you why would uh, a student come and work with, work with you guys rather than like a larger uh, network
0: That's a fantastic question. So so yeah one of you would think that TaskRabbit or Jiffy on demand these 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 companies that gigify um, the service market so like for for lawn maintenance and that type of stuff. Um, you'd think they are a huge competitor, but not really, because um, there is one massive part of the market that is not uh, that is not utilized. And that's the fact that and that's the student market. So um, the homeowners or customers, just business owners, anybody really, um, if they need something done, um, they can hire the professionals and they can pay professionals a lot and professionals will do it perfectly. But think about it. If if you need somebody to mow your lawn or rake leaves or shovel the driveway, you don't need a top of the line professional to do that. You don't have to pay them like 80 bucks uh, to do that. Um, so students, they can do it for much cheaper
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they still get paid like well over minimum wage, probably twice minimum wage. We we actually advertise that we pay our students, on average, they earn about $25 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it can be pretty good. But they still we still have competitive prices um, because the professionals, they do that for a living. Like they, they get paid a lot for these things. So it's expensive uh, for the customers. On top of that, so that's just price. That isn't our advantage. We're just on par with the other companies. Um, but in terms of our actual advantage, um, it's the fact that we're students. So we've been told countless times, and I'm actually mean countless times, that the students go up to us and they, they call us or email us and they say, hey, it's great doing business for you. Uh, sorry, it's great doing business with you. The reason I chose you is because you're students and I, I was a student myself, so I would love to support students. So Instead of customers just getting the job done that they were looking for, they also get an added social gain, um, which is value provided. They they feel great after helping a student pay for their tuition um, and and, and supporting a student in that sense. So so that's our main competitive advantage. And as far as we know, not many people are doing that currently. It's always the big dogs that use professionals. they it's 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 kind of hard to capture the whole student market um, because sometimes students can be hard to deal with, but if you figure it out, then you can really make it
1: work. Mm-hmm. So, I think you touched on a few great great points here. I want to break it down, right? this and part of it, I think, is like what the evolution of the gig economy, right? Sorry, the gig economy. Mm-hmm. So with prop, I think it's prop twenty four in California with Uber um no uber is no longer allowed to treat its drivers like a, a, as gig workers they have to be contracted out mm-hmm. now uber is being forced to you know pursue a franchise model especially in california like i think uber right now in california they shut down completely there's no uber oh, drivers okay and uh it's main reason because it's like um you know the, the the gig economy is now now like frankly being referred to as the exploitation economy in COVID, where it's a people who can't Work regular jobs or they can't get the regular jobs are now forced to in this environment where they're trading their time for less money. But what you're saying is like, you know, this is twice minimum wage that you can earn off sure. of odd jobs posted by people within their community, right? And it's purposely meant for students, so it's a very target market. So, few employers who are, you know, posting these jobs know that the jobs going to a student. It's going to help further th- further them f- feed them uh, feed their journey into education, and at the same time, the people picking it up are students—a very particular market, right? And so it's—I don't think what you're pursuing is like an open gig economy. It's more like a more like a community portal for people in the yeah. community to like you know hire local students. That's exactly right. Yeah.
0: So um, one of it's that social aspect to it, right? Mm-hmm. So so one of our goals is that we want a student to be able to. Go on the website or open up an app and see a list of jobs, and it's all people in their neighborhood, yeah. right? Like it connects them. Like yes, um, people live on the same street, but they're not necessarily connected, especially nowadays. Yeah. Everyone's very very busy. But if you have a way to make money and support yourself, um, and then also get connected with with just the people around you, that's I think that's a huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, so there definitely is a great social aspect, and and um, yeah, so people people love helping students. So it just it sparks these interactions that could go a long way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk a little about that, right? Like uh, you and your co-founder Alex, you know, you guys yeah. experienced this. Um, you know, uh, being able to work odd jobs definitely allowed you to be flexible, earn earn a stable income, while also you know being able to how you know to pursue the interest that uh, that you wanted to how did you go from that to launching your own platform okay so yeah it's it's a lot there's it's a lot of work
0: so um obviously when we first started i mean like i said before when i was explaining it it kind of it sounds as if it was just like a regular uh, just lawn mowing job yeah but so that's how we started i mean when you start from basically nothing uh, that that's how you have to do it so what alex and i did is um, we just went around knocking on doors or we like giving out flyers. Um, we're posting a free Kijiji ad and basically cause we had no money to spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we didn't have no money, but we didn't have that much money. So, um, so one of the things that really got us, or like just jump started us was, um, like knocking on doors on the bridal path. So, if you're familiar with the Bridal Path, it's the most—it's like the wealthiest part of Toronto. So what yeah. Alex and I would do is we would go over there after school at the end of the day. Um, Alex would give me one of his longboards, and then we would just longboard down the entire like Bridal Path, and uh, they have really long driveways too. So we uh-huh. also need a longboard for the longboard for those, and uh, we would just give them our pitch. Hey, we're students. We do great like we do great lawn mowing. Um, we're from Ryerson. We're trying to start our own business can we do service for you? And then the vast majority would say like, no, it's okay. We already have somebody who does it. I mean, these are these are like really, they yeah. need good work done, but um, we would land one person and then we could do a lot of work for them. Mm. Uh, so what that would do, it was it would help us gain capital and then we could start um, spending a little more money on like some Google ads or, or some better Kijiji ads and get some assets going and, um, and so so that helped us get started and kind of make a website and just just make a few assets that look somewhat official um, and then we would be able to hire some students but once we got that rolling and we kind of got past the the really first stage um, we ended up pitching to uh, the DMZ at Ryerson uh, mm-hmm. for the, the sandbox competition so what they do is they take you in and they they mentor you and they give you an EIR and um, and they just help you through your process of building up your company so uh, what happened is we pitched and then we got in uh, with the idea so we had the we had these professionals help us and guide us along that path and just um, help us with the legal stuff too because we didn't know anything about legal stuff we were just some guys that were like you know what <laughs> this is a good idea let's try to make it happen so so we needed those professionals to kind of help us do that and then we got it because uh um, we we, we pitched that idea and so so that's how we got
1: started yeah i mean it's so interesting you say like interesting that like like such a a, um like existing business model you know like shoveling shoveling driveways doing Doing like odd jobs for people, um, you know, um, like uh, mowing lawns. mean this is been such an existing, like existing business, but yeah. there's no level of saturation to it. And the key factor is like, you know, being a student and saying that you're a student has such power to it. Yes. Like when you're young and you're and, and like you go to somebody and it's like, hey, I'm a student. You know, I'm young. Like, I'm willing to do this for you. Like people don't shoo you away that easily, right? They they feel something there for you. Like they're more willing to listen to you, and I think there's a lot of young people who don't understand the power of that. They think that, hey, who am I? I'm just a student. I'm just young. Who's gonna listen to me, right? They don't see that. Yeah. And the people, you know, like yourselves, who just put themselves out there, um, you know, a lot of times get surprised at the feedback and support you get back, right? And, and and like you know, kudos on you guys. You know, going to sandbox going to DMZ, right? Trying to see like, okay, we we got this part of the business working. How can we accelerate it? How can we build something bigger? right dream bigger um i mean that's not that's not necessarily easy to do a lot of people get comfortable right they're, they're they're you're already in school you're already taking courses right like why go about this but you being from an entrepreneurship stream seems like this has been like a reality for you building a building yeah. a company have you have you uh, always been entrepreneurial do you do anything as a kid that was entrepreneurial um, did you in high school maybe so
0: not well i kind of Kind of, so, um, alright, this is, this is going to sound really stupid, but when I was when I was in elementary school, um, I remember, uh, so, so, so there were some girls, and I don't know, they had a thing for me or something, and they would always give me hugs, and I said, you know what, none of this, if you want a hug from me, you have to give me 25 cents. So nice. at the end of every day, I'd come home with like five bucks or something, my mom was like, where would you get this money? So I guess that's like the earliest entrepreneurial <laughs> thing, I mean, that's a total joke in itself, but like, um Yeah, in high school I was pretty good at business. Um, I -hmm. I liked to think outside the box, and I I was always a logical thinker. Um, Like, um, if something isn't done well, or if there seems to be a problem with something, I'm like, well, there has to be a better way. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's that's how Alex thinks too. Alex, he's an inventor. Um, He always tries thinking of of ways that he could make something, just make improvements uh, in the world. And and uh, that's actually one of that that's Alex's goal as well as mine is. We want to create something that um, has a lasting impact on society as a whole. So, um, especially now during this time of, of like the rise of automation and AI, they're taking over jobs, right? And they're taking over the simple jobs. And what are the simple jobs? Student jobs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so I mean, like you you go to a you go to a McDonald's and uh, you go to the cashier and you order your food okay so that 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 worked like i don't know a few years ago now when you walk into mcdonald's you can order at one of those touch screen things
1: okay and then then like now
0: yeah exactly so so a lot of stuff is automated even in the stores where you go in person Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these jobs that are typical just early student jobs are being given to computers so um we had to create something like, okay, what is difficult to automate? Personal services, such as lawn mowing, leaf raking, like, you don't, you can't get robots just roaming around doing that stuff, maybe like a thousand years from now or a few hundred years from now, but like until that point, it's going to be people doing it. So um, we wanted to break down the barrier of um, just students not being able to get jobs that fills their needs, but also even when they do get some sort of professional job, how do you get it? You usually get that because you have experience working. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can't find a job in the first place, oh, it's it, it just kind of starts, to, it, it's like a paradoxical thing, right? Like how can yeah. you get a job if you don't have experience, but if you don't have, uh, sorry, but um, you can't get experience if you can't get a job. So, so we wanted to create something like that for the students. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, um, yeah so.
1: I think that I think you're 100% onto something um, because the student jobs, especially entry-level jobs, are mostly the ones being automated away. So yeah, funny thing you talk about McDonald's and the, and the kiosk, right? Like a few years ago uh, when um the minimum wage argument came up, it's like why is the minimum wage so low? We gotta increase it, increase it, increase it, right? Like there was very little blow like blowback from corporates, right? But finally, when the minimum wage got increased, it's what $15 now. Is it uh, like I believe it's 14, and 14. A bit. I don't yeah 1495 like some of that yeah. right yeah. so I remember like a week or two after it came came out McDonald's literally just put up a deck about how they're gonna auto, uh, automate their entire store right oh. the kiosk yeah there you go that's, that's my point <laughs> so they already had the technology ready the technology is actually operational the kiosk technology all that just a, the transfer the physical transformation the cost the ROI of cost was not there yet for five years Right. So what the minimum wage increase, in the minimum wage did, was change the equation. So mm-hmm. the cost of you know having twenty an average McDonald's has like twenty six I think uh, workers in there, right? They can bring that down to eight with kiosks and uh, and, and like the level of uh, automation put put in there. They're so like, okay, time's right now. Now we can start the process. So the next few years, we'll you know we'll start at a certain number of sh- uh, stops per month, and we'll automate 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 automate, and we'll lower uh, lower our, our, our labor cost. Increase our automation, and we and we're future we future ready. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is what you see. This is how the market reacts to technology, right? But uh, going back to a few things you said, like, um, so I hate to say this to you, man, but uh, there are robot uh, lawn cleaners, like uh, sorry, lawn mowers and um, driveway uh, uh, driveway shovellers, right? But the ROI is still there; doesn't make sense, right? It's so about a couple thousand dollars to get a robotic lawnmower that you can program on your phone. This is your lawn, and it'll no, every week on a Sunday, it'll just take come off of uh, its uh, charging port, go lawnmower, and come back. Yeah. So, like, this is 100% like we're, we're heading towards more and more uh, low level uh, menial jobs being automated away. All right. Even like um, like a low level, um, like a white collar jobs, they're all being automated away. Right. I mean, we're dawning on the fourth industrial revolution now. And you look back at the third revolution. This exact same progress uh, process that happened. People were pushed out of factories and into offices, right? And I feel like, and uh, from all the research, it's saying that you know the next next kind of evolution of jobs, quote unquote, of employment, you know, just like we switched from those labor jobs to white collar jobs, is going to be entrepreneurial jobs where people are going to be more freelancers, more specialized, more generalist, having multiple skills that they can. They can work within different environments, right? And kind of jumping along from, like, opportunity, opportunity, right? The the co-founder of AngelList, we, uh, we I talk about him a lot on this podcast, um, Naval Ravikant, mm-hmm. like, two years ago called this. He's, like, how the internet is actually, like, it's, it's actually um, regressing us as a society where, like, before everyone needs to join these large companies you know, get a government job, get a get a corporate job, and you have a job for like 30, 50 years, and it's safe and it's like stable and you can provide for your family. Now it's like more ethereal, right? Like you, you jump from contract to contract, gigs, you know, a side, you know, while having a side hustle, while having yeah. gigs lined up, right? So the, the labor environment is shifting, and what's interesting is you know how how we can uh, deploy technology into this. And I see a lot of like, especially for student employment apps coming in is trying to figure out, OK, cool, you're you're young. You haven't established skills yet. You, just, you don't even you haven't even gone into the market to discover what the market needs, what skills is it needed, how it's changing. You know how you fit into that world yet. How do you how do we better enter them right into this into this market? How do you how do you get young people more engaged you know, be able to acquire money, uh, get, get skills, get some life skills, understand what's uh, what's happening around there? Right. So like what you're like more like uh, companies like yourselves are doing an essential service. And I think it's going to become more and more uh, like apparent as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Right. But what are the challenges that COVID threw at your way? You know, like there's definitely got to be a problem with, uh, you know, uh, people being comfortable, people coming over and doing things for them.
0: Yeah, that's that's a huge point. So um, COVID. So during the summer, COVID was fine. It didn't affect us too much. So um, lawn mowing was actually considered a central service. So students would still go over Mm -hmm. and and mow the lawns. And and you're outside, right? Outside is the safest place to be because it's a consistent, like the air is consistently being replaced. I mean, you're outside. Um, Also with our services, there is no reason you should ever even like come close to the customer. You don't have to knock on their door. You don't have to speak to them. You just go over, um, do the service, and then you can just mark it as complete on the website. So it was very safe um in that sense. Um also people still need to maintain their properties, whether it's a pandemic or not. So um it was fine during like lawn mowing and leaf raking. During the winter it's there's a little bit of uh, uh people aren't ordering snow shoveling that much anymore because everyone's at home, right? So mm-hmm. they don't exactly have to go out, um, drive anywhere because they don't have to go to work. They're staying, they're working from home. So, I mean, what is it to them if there is snow on their driveway or there isn't? So it has been a little bit slower than it was, let's say in the previous year. Um, people love getting their, their shovways, uh, sorry, their uh, driveways shoveled. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but now they don't really need it that much. But I mean that's fine. That's uh, we're dealing with it, and it's not uh, it's not a make or break situation. It's simply we're just making a little bit less revenue now, just because people don't need the
1: service as opposed mm-hmm. to like the previous years. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about like what what the future is going to bring for you. Like what do you what do you estimate? Like is is this going to evolve in its current form? Um, meant mostly for students. Meant for this kind of industry. Or do you see the platform shifting to different types of work, different types of consumers, right? Like how does how does it play within the larger marketplace?
0: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we do have a lot of plans for the future. So when we originally came with the idea, the idea was we, want, we wanted to provide services um, that any student can perform or, or just any, any service a student can perform. So um, we originally did, yeah, the, the major kind of like lawn work stuff, all that stuff I already talked about. But we also had, uh, we wanted to do things like dog walking or cat sitting or tutoring. We we tried tutoring. And, and so all of these things work, but uh, we're not doing that right now. That's for the future. What we're doing right now is we want to build the capital so we have enough money to become truly professional and so we can expand quickly. Uh, we've currently expanded to... Uh, actually just recently we expanded to Calgary, Um, we expanded to Barrie and Ottawa, so we're Mm. no longer just in the GTA. So, um, that's our goal. We want to expand as quickly as possible because um, we're trying to achieve economies of scale. Uh, And then once we achieve economies of scale, uh, we can now uh, just increase operations and all of that, and then we'll be able to start. offering different services, like the tutoring that I mentioned. I, I feel like students can definitely, um, t- like you have a student in fourth year university, they've taken the courses uh, in the in the previous three years, and let's say they got great marks in them, they can teach somebody who is in like first or second year university. So that's another form of, of them making money and just, just supporting themselves while they're going through school. So So there's a lot of resources that students can provide um that 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 you can turn into a, a genuinely good like working business. And uh so that's our goal. Um, but for now we're sticking with the um just regular just like lawn mowing, leaf raking, snow shoveling. Um, gotcha. But in terms of in terms of the platform as well, so right now we only have a website. Uh, we have a lot of automated things in the website just so that Students can select jobs, and then all the stuff that happens behind the scenes. The customer gets informed; um, they both get connected, and then uh, the the student can go over, and, and it just logs all the, everything that happens with that job. But we also want to create an app, just mm-hmm. so it's more convenient for the customers and the students. And so we want this to be um, a extremely convenient tool for um, customers to get their work done to support a student and we also want it to be a tool
1: for students to um earn a little bit and mm-hmm. get experience. No, absolutely. What what is the general consensus right now with your peers? Like other people, like you know students, people your age talking about the job market. Right? Like what's what's happening on the university campuses? No one's meeting up with the, with with the COVID preventing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, corporate companies are going out you know going out of business uh, not, hi- are they, are not hiring as much how has the job search been for like the the rest, yeah, of, for, the rest of the population for,
0: yeah. yeah so um a lot of yeah a lot of my friends lost their jobs because <clears throat> i mean so a lot of, a lot of them do things like like they're waiters in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a kitchen or something or, or like as all the restaurants they all shut down during the lockdown so every single person that now works as a server or a waiter um, or works in the kitchen, I mean, they no longer have work. So um, that's a lot of people. I, I have numerous friends that that lost their that lost their jobs, at least temporarily. Um, but also, it's kind of a, a a compounding effect because once you get rid of these people, um, once you sorry, once you get rid of these people's jobs, they then move over into other jobs and they fill the gaps Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, but once all these gaps are filled you're still left with a mass amount of people that don't really have work Um, but with with services that we provide people will always need this type of work Um, uh, so I mean they loved it so like all our our, our students that signed up with us we have now have uh, over 5,000 applicants um, and so, people definitely love the idea. Students would love to do this type of stuff. Um, and we would love to employ all 5,000. Um, we currently employ around 220, um, and then they take these, these jobs that pop up in their area. But, um, and they all say they love it. Um, and they also get things such as like student of the week and student of the month awards. So, what that does is uh, they get like a gift card um, and also, They can put that and put on they can take that uh, certificate that we make for them and they can put it on their resume. So what that does is, yes, you don't have uh, you don't have a job now because let's say you lost your your um, uh, restaurant job or something like that. But now you're working for us. And then it shows that, hey, you were the best student out of hundreds um, in a given month. You can put that on your resume, and somebody's probably hmm. going to want to hire you after that. So, so that's what we're doing to combat this, and and they love it. They they constantly tell us that like um, I've had a great time at local student. Um, it gave me or, or just the freedom to make my own schedule. I don't have to worry about anything, um, and so it's they really love that freedom. Uh, so so yes, just to answer your question, they 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 definitely do appreciate that style of of uh, work.
1: Yeah. How do you how do you handle the growing pains of like uh, running a startup? Like, are you are you technical technical yourself? Uh, uh, okay,
0: like- so I'm not
1: that technical. So Alex isn't either. So you got two
0: guys trying to start a, a tech business, and it's like, well, what do we do? So mm-hmm. um, the thing that, that I mentioned before that really really helped us was the DMZ. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just getting out there and talking to people. If you can't do something yourself, find somebody, make them your friend, and let them do it for you. Uh, obviously for, again, things in return, it has to be like a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. But um, so one one big obstacle for us was the tech. When we first started out, um, we had what we called a job board. So the job board was a Google Sheets sheet, um, which we would post jobs on, as well as their information. And then students would be able to look at that and say which jobs they would like to take. And they would text me, and say, hey, I want this job. I'm like, all right, delete it off the spreadsheet, shift everything up, give the job to them, call the customer, and so that like that was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But um, once we were in the DMZ, we we made a friend, and uh, he had his company, and he was um, he's actually a graduate from U of T downtown, uh, St George campus, and uh, he's he he builds websites. So he actually helped us build our website, and he implemented all of the. Uh, like the management technology um, from scratch himself. So so that really helped us. That was, we basically avoided a massive growing pain there. Um, Another growing pain was the legal stuff. So in in the entrepreneurship program, I mean, you learn about being creative and solving problems and you learn a little bit of finance, a little bit of accounting, um, a little bit of just other types of management, economics. But there's stuff you miss. And... For example, um in order to employ all these students that are doing work, they have to be insured. We don't want any of them to be at risk let's say um let's say if they're doing snow shoveling and a customer were to fall after they completed a job, they do technically have the potential to sue the person that serviced them but like that that would be terrible that would clear the student out because students don't have that much money, so we had to find insurance, but um Nobody wants to really insure like hundreds of students <laughs> so uh so that was a very big pain of ours because we couldn't find insurance but um and actually, one of my favorite quotes uh it's 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 so it, it's do you know the the uh the third door uh concept so essentially there's the front door that you can take that's the easy one uh and then there's the back door, which is mm-hmm. like, okay, you can go through the back as well. it's fine. But if they don't let you in through the front or the back, you have to find a third door. We couldn't find an insurance company that wanted to insure our students. So um, we just kept on calling and calling and trying to find all these other insurance companies. And there's there's a limit to how many people you can call and search the market for you. We've reached that limit three times over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we technically were not allowed. But if we did not go over that limit, then we wouldn't have been able to actually make this happen for, for the students that we want to employ. So, um, that was a big one. We got over that. Uh, so the two big ones was the technology and the insurance for the technology. We found somebody who was good at it because we weren't. And then for the insurance, we, the front door didn't work and the back door didn't work, but we, we ended up taking a third that people Mm -hmm. don't typically see. Uh, so that that's what really helped us grow um, and get past these massive growing pains and these these learning, uh, these, these obstacles.
1: Yeah. This is a great quote by uh, Emma Goldman that uh, really captures startup philosophy. It's like, great ideas are generally illegal because the law <laughs> yeah. is stagnant. Because the law is stagnant and is not subject to change, right? So any great idea that can come up and change things is by definition Illegal. If you look at like you know, you know, Airbnb, you know, the the, the short term rentals and that 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 market was going after was illegal. It was mo- mostly uninsured for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. Until they reach a kind of scale. Uh, Uber, same thing. I mean, taxis have an monopoly. They needed medallions, but suddenly this VC funded Silicon Valley firm was like, yeah, we're going to do it anyways, sure. right? And like allow anyone to kind of jump in and become a taxi driver. But we're not going to call it that, no. right? I mean, these disruptive technologies by themselves, like you kind of have to be, say, small enough that you're not noticed and you go skirt under the radar and then just boom or like you get, you know, you, or you just get big enough so that you can change the laws that need to be changed to make yourself more, uh, uh, I guess, uh, mainstream, right? Yeah. But that's like the, that's a, that's a given a take, that's a tug of war that the innovation economy has to face, right, with like the, the more conservative side of things. And I feel like, especially, a, a conservative nation of canada like canada like throughout this past decade has really shifted its gears um towards supporting more innovators and innovation and i think mm-hmm. there's more openness from you know right from federal provincial municipal levels to even like um the legal side of things to uh, and the, the services behind it to like service on the entrepreneurial movement and to get things uh, situated you talked about you know uh, the dmz the university incubator yeah. that uh you know give you guys resources Have you got any resources or advice from any other services around there, like any other incubators, accelerators? Have you talked to anyone else?
0: Um, Yeah. So in terms of the other incubators, uh, we didn't work with them too much uh, because, um, I mean, we basically had everything we needed at the DMZ. It's a a much broader kind of general uh, incubator that offers everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not like um, the other kind of incubators at Ryerson. They're more specialized. So so the the DMZ offered us a lot that we needed um, but when whenever we needed something more, we simply we we reached out to professionals, um, co-founders of other companies that have perhaps founded a company that's similar to ours and then failed uh, so we would ask them, hey, like we're trying to do this thing uh, because we we heard that you wanted to try to do this when you were younger. Um, and it didn't work. Like, can you tell us what happened? Like, why did it, why didn't it work? And so we learned from other people's mistakes, and that's that's a huge one. Um, uh, also, just like contacting professors. Uh, the professors are, are experts in their fields, um, and and they, like, for example, our entrepreneurship professors, they're serial entrepreneurs. Uh, they're sometimes they're angel investors and stuff like that. So so they're they're experts in what they do. Um, so outside of the incubator, we would just contact people personally, either through email or phone call, uh, usually email. That's like the first way we, we contact somebody, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's how we, we kind of got more resources. Um,
1: mm-hmm. no, it's really cool. I mean, I love the openness of the, of the, the, the kind of culture, the innovation culture, right? People are very, people are very um, open to like helping and moving projects along, especially early stage ones. Especially yeah. even, it's funny because like you know, what you said, like, you know, that's so counterintuitive, like talk, calling somebody who tried to do something similar to you but failed and asking them, hey, why did you fail? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can, can you help me not do that? That just seems so counterintuitive. Like, why should they help you? But like, you know, nine times out of 10, most people are like, yeah, like I'll sit down with you. Like I'll have a conversation with you. I'll tell you what I, what I did wrong and kind of download the information to you um how's your like do you have any mentors do you have any advisors on your on your project that's been helpful
0: um so we we do have um one okay i guess he's an advisor i mean we we um linked up with matt uh um he's sorry well matt mccoy um he he's uh, a previous dragon's den finalist or winner Uh, he actually made a five hundred thousand dollar deal with with jim Mm -hmm. Uh, uh-huh. on Dragon's Den and so uh, he actually really loved our idea and he's a student himself or recently graduated I can't remember but um, so he's sort of a mentor he, he he's good at business in other sense in, in other ways that Alex and I are so um, we reached out to him and it turns out that um, he can he actually has a lot of expertise that he can uh, kind of uh, translate down or just uh, just ha- help us do things so um, he's an advisor or a mentor, but um, other than that, we don't really have other mentors that are uh, fully invested into the company. Um, we had that in the DMZ. We no longer uh, we're no longer incubated in the DMZ because it was a temporary contract. Um, but uh, we are we are um, looking into uh, performing in pitch competitions as well as other uh, signing up to other grants just so we can have that resource and just have a mentor and somebody who can continuously help us grow. Um, but uh, we, we haven't had a chance to kind of recuperate that after we got out of the DMZ, because uh, mm-hmm. we just left recently, but uh, mm. we're working on that, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exciting. How are the challenges in, 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 in um, expanding across cities? Like You're obviously not in Alberta, Right, helping yeah. along, helping that along. Like, how has that been? Like, how do you, um, how do you navigate that challenge? So uh, we actually just expanded there
0: about a, about a few days ago. So, mm-hmm. so we haven't experienced it at all. Um, <clears throat> but the so one thing that there's there's a time difference. Um, so for like all our management team, all all our employees. Um, there's so we have our students that do the jobs, then our employees that run the company um and our managers so that's all here in toronto um or or, well almost all in toronto but in the same time zone so we have to adjust to that time zone um but also um we don't want students in the toronto area to see jobs that are like in calgary or ottawa or or barry or something so so one big i guess um obstacle with that is the tech again we have to uh, develop technology that can separate these things these jobs so that they're only relevant so that it only shows relevant jobs to the student we don't want them to see jobs that are like halfway across the country so but in terms of actually expanding um for the management side it's not it's not too difficult because we don't have any sort of physical locations. If this is a technology management company. If you think about it, you're just dealing with information of jobs and information of students. If, if you can call somebody in Calgary and hire them, then, I mean, you can do that basically anywhere if you're, mm-hmm. if you're awake, right? So, um, and then the advertising, you can do that anywhere as well. There, there aren't many barriers, um, when it comes to expanding to different locations, it's just the technology.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember speaking to um, the operations team at DoorDash two years ago. Oh yeah. When they, were, when they were launching in Toronto, you know they you know they have these launches um, that they do when they launch a city, and it's they got it down to a science. I mean at that at that level at that stage, you know when you break into a new territory, you have resources, you have marketing spend, you have all this stuff, right? I think they were spending. $2000 uh, no sorry $20,000 per driver. And wow. if you combine if per Alec uh, like, if you combine the marketing spend and the, and uh, they actually did uh, $2000 referrals. So anyone who referred a driver to DoorDash who did like 50 60 deliveries would get $2000. Yeah. Right to get you know that's how much they're hunting for like good level headed drivers, right? Yeah. And um you know at the same time you know they have team you know growing the restaurant side. And then, of course, marketing and all that to get customers on board. So DoorDash was, uh, was famous because, like, it identified that it's a three-sided marketplace. There are three stakeholders: there are the customers mm-hmm. who, you know, make the orders. They have uh, the the restaurants that take the orders and, and make the food, and then they have the drivers who, you know, pick up and deliver, pick up and deliver. And all three were essential, of course, for for it to operate uh, in, right. in any region. And they had the infamous question: which side of the market is is uh, the more most important, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll throw that at you, right? You're in a dual side of market. You have people who request jobs be done, people who are taking on the jobs and doing it, right? Yes. Who's more important? Yeah. So so
0: um, yeah. So we got the customers, and then we got the students that do the jobs. So um, in terms of more important, it's the it's the students by far. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> if you have a customer who says hey, I need somebody to come and and rake my leaves, and then we don't have somebody to do it, no deal is made. Um, And then the other way around, uh, if we have a whole bunch of students um, and then we don't have any customers, yes, we don't get any business. However, that is not the case. There will always be customers that need these these services. for example, I mentioned that lawn mowing is an essential service. So your grass will not stop growing. So mm-hmm. you need somebody to mow it. And I actually, I was very surprised. There are a lot of people in the city that do not own lawn mowers. Um, because they're they're pretty expensive. They're they're <coughs> hundreds of dollars sometimes for a good lawn mower. So they would just hire somebody to do their lawn mowing. So we're not worried about the customers at all, really. We will always have customers but what our goal is to have a student who can cover a certain radius. And then we want to evenly distribute all our students and hire them in various areas um, so that they all, so it, there's like a, a, an overlap of at least two students. So if this student is busy today and then they can't do a specific job, well, there's another one that lives 10 minutes away. I'll just drive over and do the job and go back home. They earned forty-five or thirty-five dollars, and they spent half an hour or something. So Mm -hmm. um, that's it's definitely the students that are the most important part. So right now, now that we're expanding into these into these cities, um, we're hiring students right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned before, we have five thousand students applying. They're coming in real quick, so we're we're spending a lot of time trying to hire as many. Uh, students as possible build up our supply because that's what we're selling we're selling the skills that these students have so we're going to build that up and then once we feel like okay we can we can deal with um 40 jobs a day um if if there's a snowfall once we feel like we can do that that's when we're going to really ramp up our advertising and then these students will be able to to go out and just start doing all these jobs
1: Mm -hmm. how do you How do you assess, how do you quality control or assess skill level? Yeah, so that's a great question. So Mm -hmm.
0: uh, when it comes to skill level, we just have some uh, basic questions on the website. So like, do you have the proper equipment? Do you have the ability to drive or drive that equipment around? Um, And then what's your experience? So they fill that out and then we look at it. It's kind of like a mini resume. Mm -hmm. Um, But every time we hire somebody, we actually call them up. So we have a quick, maybe 20 minute interview and then just get to know them, see if they're they're ambitious students, and um, a lot are. Um, so it's it's once we see that yes, they are eager to do this job, then yeah, they're they're hired. Like they they can work for us, um, and that's essentially it. So mm-hmm. when it comes to actually completing the jobs and like the, the performance of the student after we hire them we hear back from the customer if it wasn't a great job. And that's happened many times. I mean, uh, sometimes uh, students that don't have the the experience of doing, I don't know, like a more advanced job, like if somebody wants some extra kind of uh, tweaking of the job, then then um, sometimes they can't. And we hear mm-hmm. about it and that's kind of how we weed out the people, but in the future, we're going to have a rating system. so uh kind of like how Uber does it. So if you give somebody if you give a uh an Uber driver that you've ever uh that has ever serviced you if you give them I don't know I think it's less than 4 stars, you will never get them again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we want to do something similar to that with local students. So if the student um gets a very low rating with the customer, the customer will not be able to um uh, uh book that student for their job anymore. Um, and then once we see that, okay, if a student is getting consistently very low ratings, then what we'll, we would just let them go at that point. Um, yeah. So it would be an automated system of of weeding people out because it's very hard to determine if somebody is great or not in, in only a few minutes of having a phone call with them.
1: Yeah. How does that matching algorithm look like? Is it somebody posts their job, right? and a student can look at it and take it for themselves, yeah. or is it automatically is given to is it somebody? So uh,
0: it's not automatically given to somebody. So essentially, it's the student's choice. Uh, that's one of the most important things about our business. We want the students to have the ability to choose whether they want to take a job or not. So the way it works is, let's say a customer calls us and they say, hey, I need somebody to come shovel my driveway. We take that job and then we post it on the website um, that on a page where only, uh, only the students that are hired have access to. Um, so that's the job board. So it's a list of all these jobs and they can see the details, um, of course leaving out the very important confidential email, uh, sorry, details of the customer. So only have like general location on there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but once they see, oh, that job um, it's a medium size or it's a small size, so I can do it. Um, it'll only take me like 20 minutes. Um, and they see that it's close to them, they now have the option to claim that job. Once they Mm. claim it, it disappears to all the other students, and then they are now um, uh, required to complete that job. So the student doesn't know who they're getting matched with. Uh, Sorry, sorry, the customer doesn't know who they're getting matched with. It's up to the student. Um, But we want to implement that that, uh, system, just uh, just the technology, which essentially... Uh, keeps a track record of of the students and the customers' track record, and then uh, it will automatically keep make jobs invisible to the student if that customer gave that student a bad review. So um, right now it's pretty simple, but in the future we're we're going to implement that.
1: Mm-hmm. you also mentioned before, like you also have an element of gamification to your yes. you know to your elements where. You know, it, well, if you've done a good job or if you rated the best among a certain pool of students, you get this badge that you can share on mm-hmm. LinkedIn or on on, on uh, social media, Yeah. right? Um, what elements do you have? You know, do you have like a run rate of how many jobs a person has done? Uh, you know, they get uh, do they earn things in, inside the platform?
0: Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> Well, in terms of on the platform itself, the platform is purely functional right now. So uh, it just allows the students to find jobs. That's all it does currently. But we're definitely going to implement uh, more gamification. So um, you've heard of uh, Pokemon Go, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, so all these people, it was, it was very popular um, mm-hmm. and it probably still is, but so all these people are willing to walk around for hours on end get a bunch of exercise and stuff like that and then and but they walk around to find these pokemon and collect them all so, um and and they go on the leaderboards and they can show their friends oh i have this one <clears throat> and like oh do you have that one like that's such a rare pokemon and and so there is that very intense level of gamification that makes people addicted to it um on local student we want to implement leaderboards as well so Uh, let's say a monthly leaderboard of like all the students uh, because actually one thing to note though is when we first started out uh, a lot of the students found uh, uh, discovered our company through Indeed when they were Mm -hmm. actively searching for work that was similar to what we were providing. Um, But now a very large margin is just referrals. They all tell their friends and it's actually amazing. I go to old schools and stuff, and then students from my old school know about local student. I'm like, wow, this is like this is amazing. It's yeah. So it, it really spreads quickly among the student community. That's how much they like it. So now that they have their friends involved, you can have this competition. So if you have a monthly leaderboard, oh, um, I made two thousand dollars in revenue or like in, in profits, um, and then you go up on that leaderboard, and then your friend is like five. Points below you they're going to have that that, mm-hmm. that competition there so you really want to gamify that to get people addicted to yeah. to the leaderboard stuff just how pokemon go did um, <clears throat> but also yeah like you mentioned you do have the awards which you can put on your on your social media and stuff like that which which really puts you in a in a um, like a, it makes a great image um for the student just to other employers or other kind of professional people that want to work with them in the future
1: hmm uh, that's that's really cool. I I love that idea, right? Like you take elements from games that you know just sink up time and take up your attention <laughs> into yeah. this uh, you know this nonsense kind of activities, and you deploy that same kind of engaging factor, especially that social element of competing with one another, and you deploy it to something that will actually hi- make you more hyper productive, you know. Yes, I mean, and then if you get you're it on top of that. So. Exactly. If you're <laughs> so winning, it's, you're it's making fantastic. money. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's super interesting. I think I think more technologies that take those elements of uh, of addictive behavior and deploy that towards you know how to make you more productive how do you make yourself uh, you know more able and actually get real world um benefits out of it rather than sink you in for just the mindless scrolling of uh, elements of um of social media yeah i think that's definitely the way to go um so talking about that moving things forward like uh, are are your your students are they like do you bring them on as contractors uh, are yes. they employees
0: yeah, so we take they're not employees because um, I mean once you have an employee, I mean you have a lot of legal stuff that gets pretty complicated. But when they're private contractors, what it allows them to do is it allows them to be their own boss. So um, they can do jobs however they feel it's necessary, right? So they do have that freedom to do to do jobs how they want. They don't have a boss to to boss them around, tell them do this and that. They're their own boss as a private contractor. However. As a private contractor, you're still working with us. You're working for us technically. So, like I mentioned before, um, if there ever were legal issues, like if a customer were to, uh, like if a customer was inclined to sue one of the students, um, it wouldn't clear them out because they work for us. Now our uh, insurance policy, our general liability insurance, it covers the student. So Mm -hmm. they're safe. They will never like they'll never be cleared out of all their money because they got sued due to people slipping on the driveway. Um, Wow. Because and and that's a good point, actually. So the reason it's so incredibly difficult to get insurance for that type of stuff is is because um, sometimes people fall on purpose. Hmm. So we were told um, by a, a number of brokers that in the past, a lot of people would purposefully slam on the brakes Um, Really hard, and they would get rear ended by the person behind them. Um, And so, what that would do is now they have to pay for the repairs of your car, you would get some cash and all that. So, that's it's a really cheap way to make money, but people did that surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that people have dash cams, you can't do that anymore. So, what's the next easiest thing to get money out of? Well, you slip on your driveway when somebody serviced it, you broke your hip, now you can't work for the next like four months, and you get paid. Uh, you get paid for it, uh, for for like the opportunity cost of, of sitting at home. So that's where the risk comes in. Um, so if a student, and it hasn't happened yet, out of many jobs, it hasn't happened. Um, but the even if there's a small possibility, we don't want to even put that on the student at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just to reiterate, they're private contractors, so they're their own boss. However, they're still covered by our insurance and they're protected.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, these are the unfortunate realities that prevent you from you know, directly scaling. You're going to think and yeah. progress through and, and like think it through, right? Like, What are the liabilities um, that that you as a business owner will have um, as your contractors would have, as the users would have? It's really good that you're thinking about this such early on, um, was it a conscious thing? like did you guys know from the beginning that this is gonna be a problem? Was it a mentor brought it up like like you know even like Uber doesn't have insurance for the drivers right now? yeah, so we
0: I can't remember it we thought about it very early on um, when especially when it came to snow shoveling because we know that things can happen, right? Um, so actually there was during that time period, it was a few months when where we were looking for insurance. And we thought, OK, if somebody if somebody ends up messing up or makes a mistake and something happens um, and then that student's life is just like like they just get and like if somebody falls and they have, I don't know, like a $10,000 lawsuit against a student. There goes all the students money. Mm-hmm. Students don't have $10,000. So we thought, OK, if that ever happens to anybody like that is. That is a huge problem. So right from the bat, we thought, okay, we have to have insurance. We have to keep these people protected. Um, and we thought of various ways. What if we do make them employees, but if we let somebody go, then we have to give them like a severance package as an employee and, and it, it gets complicated. So um, yeah, we thought about it very early on, like right off the bat, we, we wanted to implement that. And during the time where we didn't have it yet, we were wondering, is this business gonna work? Mm. Um, and we were like, we were originally thinking, because a lot of our competitors actually, uh, I won't I won't name any, but um, a lot of our competitors that tried to do the exact same thing, they cannot get over that hump of finding insurance. It's such an important aspect of this business, but they couldn't find it. Um, and so they just had to stop. They just hmm. had to stop pursuing it. But we, like I said, we went through the third door. We found that insurance. We finally got it to work. And so now we have every aspect of this business kind of set in place. Um, the, all the all the major mandatory things. Um, so now that that's all set in place, it's it's the hardest things are kind of over with. It's the the, the legal stuff. But mm. uh, forward, it's just general uh, constant technological progression, and also just. Uh, uh, further, further uh, making things more efficient and, and you know all that stuff but the, the building of the concept and all that like testing if it works that's all been taken care of and it definitely works um,
1: that's that's crazy and that's great that you're thinking so consciously about these how, how many students do you have on your platform now
0: yeah so we we have a total of um, okay so in terms of people that worked for us and got jobs we have well over 200 and something. I mean, on our website, it says like 219, we were well over 250 um, for snow shoveling. We're actually doing a mass hiring uh, right now. So we, we want to hire about 230 students that are ready and get out there and go shoveling as soon as the snow starts falling. Um, so that'll add on. So that'll bring us to about um, 300 because like obviously students from previous services, they will do snow shoveling as well. So mm-hmm. um, we're, we'll have about 300 students. Currently, we have about 230 or 250 students that have
1: worked for us. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. No, definitely. No, it's awesome. Yeah, I think um, what you guys are doing here is really important. Um, you're providing you know, jobs for your peers and uh, students who clearly have um, a situation going on when it comes to earning income. Yeah. Um, you're trying to prevent the automation of jobs, which is always always a plus. Right, trying to uh, trying to give people things that, that can't be automated away easily, and uh, yeah, kudos on your growth, kudos on the drive. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, Marco, yeah, this has been great. It's been an hour, man.
0: Thank you so much. No, it's it's totally been my pleasure. It's uh it's an honor to be on here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so definitely.
1: Much. Uh, thanks, and as always, stick around for a bit. Uh, we're gonna do a quick debrief, and uh, for everyone else that uh, tuned in, thanks.